every year on the second Sunday of Lent, we hear the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. This story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I think it takes on an additional dimension in the Gospel of Matthew, which, of course, you remember is my favorite gospel. Maybe you haven't noticed it, but even though Matthew's Jesus is very Jewish, he would be very comfortable in East Tennessee because he spends a lot of time climbing mountains. Jesus' most famous preaching, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Why the significance of mountains? Because Jesus is the new Moses, and Moses received the Ten Commandments on the top of Mount Sinai. There are also echoes of Elijah, who climbed Mount Horeb to talk with the Lord. And today, Jesus goes up the mountain to converse with both Moses and Elijah. Mountains are special places. Now, I have searched and searched, and I cannot find my Kiss Me, I'm Hungarian pin. But I am an eighth Irish, so we will give a little tribute to the Irish today. The Irish talk about thin places. Places where we can get close to God, physically and spiritually. And for many people, mountains are thin places. So I'd like to invite you to just take a moment to think about when you were at a thin place in your life, or a mountaintop experience. And just to reflect on that for a moment before we go forward, and to keep that in mind as you hear the readings today. Let us come closer to God by acknowledging what has kept us distant and asking Him for forgiveness. For millennia, people have recognized mountains as special places. They take real effort to climb, but once you get up there, you can look back with a sense of accomplishment. On the mountaintop, we can take stock of where we are, reflect on the past, and literally look back on where we have been. This week, Father Charlie, Dr. Ruth, Dan Arthur, uh, Andrea Francis, and I had something of a mountaintop experience. The Paulist priests, seminarians, novices, our collaborators in ministry, and even some of our associates from around the country, the uh, Canada and Rome gathered for three days to pray and prepare. It was time in one of those places the Irish call a thin place, a chance to look back on the past four years. For example, the opening mass, it was decided, would be concelebrated by yours truly, Tom Gibbons and Renee Constanza, who were ordained two years ago. So it was sort of a wake-up call of, remember guys, they're priests now, because most of us, them think of us as just seminarians, but a celebration of that ordination. But Paulists being the Paulists, it's a little embarrassing to say this, we're looking to save money, and so we wanted to find a city with cheap hotel rates, good meeting facilities, and uh, relatively low airfares. So we decided the cheapest place to have our meeting was at the Palace Station Casino and Hotel in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, the irony isn't lost on me either. But the view from the mountaintop, the view can be exhilarating. And for the Paulists, there's things to look back on in the last four years. We have had, well, 
At the, by the end of this administration, the very last day of the administration, we'll have the ordination of Jimmy Sue, who was here last year for spring break. Um, so we'll have had five ordinations in the last four years. Busted Halo, our um, ministry to young adults who consider themselves spiritual but not religious, has grown by leaps and bounds. And uh, those of you who know Father Eric Andrews know about the Paulist Productions trifecta of the last three months Three um, new productions have been put together, including the Christmas Eve Lessons and Carols that was uh, broadcast on CBS television. But the view from the mountaintop comes at a cost. To climb the mountain, we usually end up with sore muscles. We're often out of breath. I mean, a lot of us were out of breath just running in here from the rain. Um, Scratches, maybe even some sprains. And the Paulists have had a lot of strain in the last four years. Our current administration came into office four years ago, asked to really clarify our financial position. We didn't really have the same kinds of books. Every place did its own thing. And you know we hadn't assessed what our property was worth. And there were issues about ownership of different things. And they have done a lot of hard work to show that, yes, indeed, what we've been saying about financial peril is true. Things are tight. This election we just had was very painful and bitter. And while we will have ordained five men in this four years, more men than that have died, retired, or left the community. For the foreseeable future, the Paulist fathers will be significantly smaller than they are now. Most of us can't stay on top of the mountain. Peter seems kind of silly for trying. Yes, it's powerful and reassuring to see Jesus transfigured. But Jesus didn't come to hang out with Moses and Elisha. He came to be among the people. Peter, James, and John have signed up to walk with Jesus, so they too must come down off the mountaintop. In his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, Pope Francis condemns those who want to stay on the mountaintop. He says, Spiritual worldliness consists in seeking not the Lord's glory, but human glory and personal well-being. We lose contact with the real lives and difficulties of our people. Those who have fallen into this spiritual worldliness look on from above and from afar. Peter can't stay on the mountaintop. He has to carry out the mission of Jesus. You can't stay on the mountaintop in your personal life. You have to carry on the mission given to you by Jesus. And the Paulus and our collaborators, including all of you in this room, we can't stay on the mountaintop. We must carry out the mission given to us. But what is the mission of the Paulist family right now? It's not exactly clear. And that is something we talked about in Las Vegas. For decades, the Paulists have talked about our charism, the thing that makes us special. Every religious community is supposed to have one. Our charism is evangelization, reconciliation, ecumenism, and interreligious dialogue. And Pope Francis in this exhortation has declared that every Catholic throughout the world must be an evangelizer. And he has spoken specifically in that document about doing it through reconciliation, ecumenism, and interreligious dialogue. So where do we go from here? We all have had mountaintop experiences. 
but are we willing to be changed by them? Do we learn from the experiences? Do we let the scars of the past lead us to live our lives in different ways going forward? Do we allow ourselves to be transfigured? Or would we rather just stand and watch someone else be transfigured? If I had had time between the masses, I would have looked this up on the internet. You're not allowed to Google this until after mass. I was told by somebody at the last mass this was a quote from Albert Einstein. Don't know if that's the case. But maybe you've heard it. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. How many of us have mountaintop experiences and then keep on doing things the same way and expecting things to be different in our lives? Mountaintop experiences allow us not only to look back on the past, but also to look forward to the future. For the Paulists and all our collaborators, are we willing to let what happened in Vegas not stay in Vegas? If we want to grow from our mountaintop experiences, we must allow the Holy Spirit to transfigure each of us. Going to what the Irish call the thin place can be scary. To acknowledge the past. But it can also be exhilarating. Emily Salyers of the Indigo Girls wrote this great song about the exhilaration of making a choice. And I wrote this homily before I found out she was performing with the KSO last night. But I went to the concert anyway once I realized that. I figured it was a sign from God. (laughs) But she says, leaving the mountaintop, we have a choice. And she would say, it's like the rain that falls at the very crest of the watershed. Does it go down one side or the other? Do we return the way we came from the mountaintop? Or do we choose to descend the mountain by a different path? Peter came down off the mountaintop and eventually the Holy Spirit gave him the grace to follow Christ away from his homeland, all the way to Rome to be martyred. This Lent, I told you we'd talk about the first reading, We have the opportunity to be like Abram, who was willing to follow God in a new direction without knowing where the final destination was. And likewise, all of us in the Paulist family can choose to radically trust in the Holy Spirit. Can we work to see ourselves as part of something larger than blessed John 23rd Parish? Can some of us maybe consider becoming Paulist associates, taking on that spirituality of the Paulists? Can we foster a culture of religious vocations within all of our circles of influence? When's the last time you asked somebody if they have thought about being a nun or a priest? All the single ladies out there, I always say, you get the first eligible man and then you send the rest of them to me. Can we pray for our ten seminarians and novices, one of them who's in the room here? Can we support the Paulist appeal? Can we believe that the Holy Spirit really knows what she's doing within the Paulist family, even if she asks Father Charlie or me to move this summer? Our God is a God of the future, inviting us forward to exciting, unknown destinies, But if we don't let go of the wheel, the Holy Spirit can't steer the boat. 
It's scary to let go. It's risky. But in taking those risks, stepping away from what Pope Francis has called spiritual worldliness, then we have the opportunity for new experiences, new insights, new growth in our relationship with God.